You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. I'm health editor Dallas Bastian, and I'm joined by Denise Moyle, who is currently an international health coordinator with the Australian Red Cross. Denise has been with the Australian Red Cross and the International Committee of Red Cross for the last 12 years, working in many countries including Kenya, Sudan, Pakistan and Yemen, and across areas affected by conflict and disaster. She now ensures international travellers are medically cleared for travel and guides workers when they're in the field. Thank you for joining me, Denise. Thanks for having me, Dallas. What were some of the thoughts going through your head when you embarked on your first mission and and how did they stack up against what what you've experienced over the past decade? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of thoughts that may have um, changed or become a little bit more realistic, but there's many thoughts that remain the the same as well. My first mission was to Kenya, the perimeter of Kenya and and Sudan, and I went as a ward nurse that was working on a um, a big picture hospital providing care to weapon wounded from from Sudan, and of course when I I got the call up I was really nervous, really excited, and a little bit scared about about what was in front of me, but. It didn't take long to settle into that role and the feelings of excitement, um, the daunt behind what was in front of me, it didn't take long for that to kind of plateau out and I was able to to function um, according to my role and, and, and have a real impact. Thoughts now from my first mission? Um, I guess there's a little element of knowing what I'm what I'm heading into, um, that all those feelings of that first mission, that excitement and that, that daunting feeling, they're, they're still present today. Now, if I was offered a mission tomorrow, I'd still have all those feelings. Um, but knowing that when you land on ground, it, it you quickly settle down and, and really focus on the task and the job ahead of you. So in some ways, some of those thoughts remain the same and, and some are a little bit more guided by experience. What drives you to, to continue working in the area of international aid, uh, but both in terms of the work you do and, and what you get out of uh, your experiences personally? Yeah, so it's been, as you mentioned earlier, it's been around 12 years for me now. Um, the first eight years of my work with Australian Red Cross and the International Committee of Red Cross was pretty much in the field on and off. So I do a period of time in the field, come back to Australia, try to pick up my life um, here in Australia before embarking on the next opportunity. The drivers really for me is that humanitarian um, quality and being able to offer um, offer a, a, an opportunity to those in the field on accessing good health care. Um, for me, I'm quite, I'm very much in the zone of, of um, health care and health needs and health outcomes. But being able to have an opportunity of heading to the field and offering a service that you know people don't have access to, it's it's really rewarding. It's it's really fulfilling, and it it really installs a great sense of of uh, achievement. I guess 
to myself. And sometimes I think it's a little selfish, the work, to be honest, because what I take away from, from my experience abroad sometimes I think is far greater than what I deliver. Mm. I know the people at the other end would see that differently and are immensely grateful for the care that you've been able to provide them. But mm. I also can't help but feel it's it's very rewarding for myself. And having the opportunity to assist those in, in real do- diabolical times, whether it be post-disaster or um, you know, war-torn conflict environment, being able to offer those people with a, a sense of hope and being able to help them rehabilitate both mentally and physically to to get back up and get on with their life. I think that's, that's a really rewarding experience to be part of. You've been able to, to use your skills to become head nurse of a hospital, a, a ward nurse, teaching nurse, flying surgical nurse. What has it been like to move between these roles and between countries at the same time? Yeah, look, it's often you're heading out to the unknown. So you you get an opportunity whereby your, your skill set is required. Um, and it may be in a different context. So I may have had the opportunity to head to Darfur or, or to Yemen, but my skill set has expanded over the years working with Australian Red Cross. And it, it's great not to be pigeonholed. It's great to have the opportunity to to use your skill skill set in, in a number of um, a number of contexts. And really, that that experience of being able to show or demonstrate your adaptability, your flexibility, your resistance. And even though my, my background is, is nursing, what it might look for me in the field is I might be a ward nurse in a tented hospital, in a, a temporary tented hospital. I have been part of a surgical flying team where basically we, we flew to help out weapon-wounded people in in um, circumstances that were highly less than desirable. So we would often construct a make-do mini OT operating theatre room out of a what was left of a shelter. So throughout Darfur, we would, we would fly in and, and um, treat those weapon-wounded patients. And it might be that we set up a very temporary makeshift um, yeah, mini theatre environment in a in the remains of a bombed building. Situations have have meant that we that we have done that in the back of the land cruiser that we're travelling in. So having that that basic skill set of health and being able to to use that across the globe and in different contexts is. Yeah, it's really challenging, but it's also it's also that opportunity to to really cement the same outcome that you're you're delivering a great health service and you and you're really making a difference to those that you can you can reach. So, yeah, I think you know it's it it really demonstrates flexibility and adaptability and really cements using some of those great health skills that you have, but in different contexts. It's yeah, it is a challenge, but it's it's exciting and really rewarding at the end of that. 
You said when working in areas affected by conflict or disaster, you, you do become desensitized out, out of necessity. But, but at the end of the day, you're still human. And you said you'd be lying to, to say it didn't touch you. How difficult is it to strike the right balance there and, and protect yourself to ensure that you can continue to do the work? Yeah, really good question, Dallas, because I'm, just to start with, I'm not quite sure if desensitized may be the right word that I've used previously, but mm-hmm. it is really a hard balance. And as the health professional, you, you're exposed to a lot of real trauma, whether it be psychological trauma as a result of being a part of a, a bomb blast ex- explosion or, or, or being um, you know, standing on a grenade, all those things that we see in the field, it's really traumatic and it's traumatic clearly for the individual, but it's it's also really traumatic for, for you as the person involved in, in their care. So whilst we are all human and you know, I've said previously that I'd be lying to say that if things didn't actually emotionally affect me and there's, there's some cases that have more of an impact than others. But from my experience in the industry of, of offering health service, you, you really have a job to do and you're not going to be particularly effective or or highly functional if you're going to get emotionally involved about every case that you render care to. So really, I guess during that particular episode where you are part of a team delivering care, you need to remain focused. You need to get on with the job and, and, and be that support person for that person who is really, you know, emotionally traumatized by the experience. So that's my job. That's my focus. It helps me to deliver the work that I need to do. And okay, maybe there's periods of time where I'm not working and I, I reflect on a, a case or an injury that, that I've rendered care to. And I guess that's where, you know, you stop and think and, and sit back and, and realise that you are actually human and some cases do affect you more than others. So yeah, it's really hard to get the right balance, but I think if you stay focused on what it is you are actually delivering, what is the purpose of of you being there, then you need to put your head down, get on with the job, um, be strong and supportive and, and be a professional in that circumstance. And yeah, talk about it with others at a later date or however best you, you work through those scenarios. But at the time, stay focused and... and um, use your expertise to really help that traumatised person in that situation. Remaining impartial is an important part of the work you do, particularly in, in areas affected by conflict. So so does that play a role in the, the importance of you know, remaining focused and, and getting on with the job? Yeah, look, being impartial is, is one of Australian Red Cross's seven fundamental principles. So it is who I'm representing when I go away and to to be honest when I'm in the field it makes my job much easier if if I do remain impartial. So I'm treating a number of, of clients um, and also a, a people from a number of um, religious backgrounds or, or certainly different groups within the same community. So it, it's it's easy to apply impartialness to my work in the field. And, um, you know, it really enables me to to be fair and to provide equity to all those that I'm treating. And I think that's a really good message for for the other parties to see, that 
you know, we, we're there for a purpose and, and we have a particular skill set and it doesn't matter what race or what religion or, or what colour you are, it's it's really demonstrating that the organisation is impartial and we we will get the job done and, and provide the care to those that we can. It, just in, in note to that, Dallas, um, maybe if I can just throw an example of a situation that was particularly hard for me. Um, When I was head nurse in in a hospital in Pakistan, so it was on the border of Pakistan, Afghanistan, in a place called Peshawar. It was a tented field hospital that we we had set up and the criteria for admission was anyone who had been um, injured as a result of weapon, weapon wounded. So we did have a particular set criteria. It was never our intention to go in and replace an existing health system in Pakistan, but it was more to to assist those in that small niche of, of weapon wounded that might not be able to access care um, anywhere else. So it was a small hospital. We catered for about 100 beds and we had a strict criteria. And I remember one lady coming in and um, she'd already been treated by the existing health system in Pakistan. And unfortunately, that was one of our um, exclusions to admitting. So if someone had previously received care at the hospital down the road, then that was part of our um, our admitting criteria that for those who had been treated weren't able to come back and and have treatment with us. We were purely just there to treat weapon wounded that hadn't been treated at a local facility. Um, so unfortunately, we we couldn't help this this particular woman with her. Um, she'd had a previous previous surgery for a, a leg amputation. Um, so it it did get a little bit tricky at times to keep that. Um, You know, as a healthcare professional, you really want to make a difference to all that you encounter. But at the same time, bearing in mind that you're part of a large organisation and whilst we want to help everyone that we possibly can, um, being realistic about the care that we we could deliver and the expectations um, to the community. So... You know, it kind of did challenge some ideas and maybe that's, you know, where I can go back to the first question where where you raised what thoughts I had on my first mission and what Mm -hmm. thoughts I have now. It's just being focused that you are there for a particular activity and um, even though we're health and we want to save everyone and treat everyone, it's, it's setting realistic expectations to the community and sometimes that that's quite hard to um yeah that's really quite hard to to watch some people go um so yeah I'm, I'm slightly diverging from the impartial conversation but i guess in terms of taking the emotion sometimes out of 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 what we do um it, it's a challenge it, it's you know, you do get emotionally attached to people and, and um, injuries as such that you do want to help. But, yeah, you, you're a part of a broader organisation and, and you need to remain within that the, the rules and regulations that, um, that you're there for. What, what else would you, would you say to someone who is about to embark on their first international aid mission? What, what advice would you give them? 
um, people certainly need to do their homework. So you need to be you need to be prepared and and do as much reading and gather as much information as you can from that environment that you're going to. So really do your homework before you go. Make sure you know the context that you're going into. Talk to other people who may already be there. So link up with people who may already be in that environment and just listen to them, their experiences, um, to really validate if if that's the type of work that you really want to do. It's not for everyone. Uh, Sometimes it sounds glamorous and, and exciting, but at the end of the day, it's actually really challenging. It's really hard and it's going to test everything that you perhaps had beliefs in already. So certainly I would advise people, make sure you do your homework before you go. Um, in terms of uh, your skill set, making sure you're, you're up to date in that skill set, make sure you know the organisation that you're, you're signing up for. Um, and... I can't help but throw in do a little bit of camping because you never quite know what environment you're going to and a lot of the environments that I have been to have involved long trips in in four-wheel drives, really hot, dusty climates with limited food supplies. So if you are someone who has a, a particular diet that you must follow, they're really important things to look into before you go. Um, the environments often are hot dusty, they're long hours, foods, rations, um, and you're going to live in close proximity with people. So if that's not something that you find you're good at, um, then maybe rethink it. But all of those things, certainly make sure you know well in advance before before you go. But without taking all the fun out of it, it it's really highly rewarding. Um, you make some great friends. You're really able to do some wonderful work to people that are really poorly disadvantaged and, and that's a wonderful, a wonderful feeling. Thank you for your time, Denise. Thank you, Dallas. Thanks for the opportunity in sharing some of my experiences aboard.